listening to Ego Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It is really great to have you here today. We had another episode planned for this week, but after seeing all of the commotion and all of the discussion online around wildfires, particularly that that's impacting the East Coast of the U.S. this week, I felt like this was a really important, very pertinent conversation to have this week. Kind of a wildfires 101. I feel like conversations around wildfires are very normal in very small or more specific communities. So whether that's the West, whether that's mountain towns, and those conversations I've had in depth before in the past. But I hope that today's conversation serves as an intro or again, kind of like a 101 type episode for those of us that may not be as familiar with wildfires, for those of us living in areas that are not typically impacted by wildfires, just so we know a little bit more about what's going on in the news and so that we can very clearly understand our place in this, so to speak, within the climate crisis. If you learn something, if you find this episode helpful, make sure you send it to a friend, subscribe to the podcast, you know the drill, it really helps me out. I really like these kind of current event style episodes, so I want to know that they're bringing you value so we can continue to do them. I feel like the obvious place to start when we are going through Wildfire 101 is discussing the conditions that are preferable for wildfires. This is important, I think, because especially in the context of all of these Instagram stories that we're seeing, all of the photos of New York City this week covered in deep orange smoke, why is it unusual to see it in that area? And while we definitely see similar coverage of wildfires on the West Coast, it is not nearly as talked about, it's not nearly as shocking, and that's because the conditions on the West Coast are far more preferable for wildfires. So to have a wildfire, land needs to be both dry and hot. Dry is important here because we're talking about an area catching a flame. If you've ever built a campfire or been around a little campfire fire pit situation before, that's actually a perfect example at a much smaller scale. When you're making a fire, you want to make sure all of the sticks and lint and whatever else you're putting in there is dry. You do not want to have any moisture in that fire so that a flame can truly catch and then the fire can be oxygenated and, you know, just keep on with the cycle. So same at a much larger scale when we're thinking about wildfires. You want the land to be extremely dry if you want a fire to catch, or rather, if the land is dry, a fire will catch. This is why you hear if it's been a very dry winter, people make comments about wildfire season being predicted to be particularly harsh that year, or you hear the opposite. If you're in an area that's gotten a lot of snowfall, we talk about having a late summer because it's going to take a long time for that snow to melt. There's going to be a lot of moisture in the ground. Especially in Colorado, where I live now, during ski season, we got a lot of snow this year, and people were making comments that this will help us in the summer. That's usually referring to wildfires, because the ground is a lot more moist. Sorry to use that word, but you know what I mean. The damper, the conditions, the harder it is for a fire to truly catch in that particular area. Heat is also a very important ingredient when it comes to wildfires because the heat can be, first of all, an igniter for the fire. Heat can be the cause of a fire starting, but also heat allows the fire to maintain for a longer period of time. Obviously, if you have rain, if you have snow, if you have colder conditions that are dampening that particular area, it's less likely that the fire will continue or be maintained. Now that we understand the conditions necessary for a wildfire to take place, 
I also want to talk about what starts a fire. We just discussed heat as an important fire ingredient, so to speak. So yes, extreme heat can be a cause for a wildfire to spark. Lightning is another natural condition that can start a wildfire. If lightning strikes and there is a spark, the area is already dry, it can definitely start a small fire. And again, if the conditions are right, that fire can spread. Now, the most common way that wildfires are started in today's day and age, the vast, vast majority of wildfires are caused by human activity. If an area is already dry, if the conditions are already present for a wildfire to be present, any little human activity with a spark can absolutely start the fire and continue it on. So sometimes this can be as small as someone throwing a lit cigarette out the window. If the area is already dry and you're driving along some trees, that can start a fire. If you are camping, you will see sometimes in the summertime these signs or these areas that are no fire zones because if there's a little bit of wind and some embers or some sparks are taken from your campfire, brought into trees, into a dry area, that can start a fire. I think this is interesting because they sound like kind of crazy scenarios, the idea that a single cigarette or a single campfire ember or something like that can spark a wildfire. But this is extremely, extremely common. One of the challenges, of course, with wildfires is that until the wildfire starts, you don't know the spread of it. You don't know the impact of it. You can't predict it as closely as we would like. Of course, there's a lot of fire science that we do have in today's day and age to protect ourselves against wildfires, to protect property, to prevent wildfires as much as we can. But there is definitely an element of surprise when it comes to wildfires. We don't always know how big they're going to be or how long they're going to last. Something to notice if you are in any sort of national park area or public land, national monument, forest, anything like that, there are these little Smokey the Bear half circles. I'll post a photo of one on Instagram and I'll describe it more in depth if I can. But there are these little half circles that are divided into five colors. And every day a park ranger or someone from that division of public lands will move this little arrow on that sign to indicate the likelihood of wildfire that day. So it is something that's monitored, again, on a daily basis. I think that this is really interesting if you've never been in any of these areas. There's a lot of science that goes into it. There's a lot of planning. And it seems like sometimes mountain towns especially, their whole seasons revolve around wildfires. That's why we say wildfire season sometimes in the West. And it's definitely scary. I think this is a perfect time to discuss why the Canadian wildfires this week were particularly interesting or particularly unusual. So again, when I say Canadian wildfires, I am referring most specifically to wildfires that happened on the east coast of Canada earlier this week. A lot of that smoke, a lot of that ash was brought down into the eastern U.S. And so you had folks in major cities like New York posting photos of orange skies and wearing masks because you couldn't breathe outside. It is harsh, it's overwhelming, and for New York City, we saw all of this coverage because it's weird. The Canadian wildfires this week are really interesting because that area on the east coast of Canada that caught fire north of New York City, where we saw this, again, unbelievable smoke, really poor air quality, that area is an arboreal forest, meaning that it's typically a wetter, more humid area. We just discussed the conditions for a wildfire, so it's understood or implied, I suppose, that this particular area, this particular kind of forest 
is typically a wetter, more humid area. So it's not an area we would typically understand to catch fire on a regular basis. We're used to the idea of wildfires in the West because those are drier climates, they're more arid regions, and so the conditions are a lot more favorable to fires starting. What does this tell us then about that particular arboreal forest area on the east coast of Canada? That means it is drier than usual. It also means it may be hotter than usual. These are two very clear indicators of climate change occurring in a region. Areas are getting warmer earlier in the year. We have drier springs. We have a lot more variable seasons overall and a lot less predictability in the conditions of those areas. Quick break to tell you about Caraway. If you are getting into the spring cleaning season, get a head start with Caraway. Caraway cookware is thoughtfully designed and has very complimentary storage options that it comes with, so getting organized could not be easier. Maybe your spring cleaning includes getting rid of some toxic pots and pans that are just not serving you anymore. Caraway's high-quality ceramic-coated kitchenware is free of PTFE, such as Teflon, lead, cadmium, and other toxic materials. My favorite quality, perhaps, of Caraway cookware is that their cookware is made of ceramic, which is a naturally slick surface, means really minimal oil or butter for really easy cooking, and most importantly to me, really easy cleaning. I've been cooking a lot more and having people over sit on the patio now that that's nicer weather. First off, I'm constantly getting complimented on my Caraway pans. I have the cream color. They're very, very chic. And I am continuously impressed with that really slick ceramic surface and how easy it makes cooking. I am not adding a whole bunch of oils into anything that I'm making. And again, the easy cleanup is really important to me. I feel like there's nothing worse than having people over and when they leave, you just have a sink full of pots and pans. Hosting is truly a breeze when you have Caraway cookware. Visit carawayhome.com eco to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com eco or use code eco at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. It'll be in the show notes. Speaking of cooking, this is kind of the perfect pairing of partnerships, two brands I absolutely love for the kitchen. I want to tell you a little bit about HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes cooking for myself and cooking for others so, so easy. There's over 40 new recipes every single week, and everything is always farm-to-table quality in every single HelloFresh box. They have seasonal ingredients picked at peak ripeness, and there really is something for everyone. There's protein-smart options, calorie-smart options. Now there's vegan recipes that you can get through HelloFresh. No matter your lifestyle, there's a HelloFresh for you. Trust me, there's a pescatarian box that I absolutely love. And if there's a box that you like, you can even swap out proteins and sides to make recipes just how you like them. When I started ordering from HelloFresh, I really loved them because they were saving me so much time. I travel a lot, so the weeks that I'm at home, I love having a HelloFresh box delivered because I don't have to think about going to the grocery store. I don't have to think about the waste that I'm leaving in my apartment of all these unfinished items that I couldn't finish before my next trip. And it just makes the cooking experience so much easier when I am home. Now that it's warmer outside, I love having a HelloFresh recipe for lunch times, like on a Saturday afternoon. I'll go work out in the morning and then I'll have my girlfriends over for lunch in the afternoon. And it really is a fabulous feeling to know that the recipe you're making is going to be well-loved. And I feel like the recipes that I create through HelloFresh for my friends are so much more thoughtful than things I'd typically create on my own. So you get to learn a little bit about sauces or you're using different breads than you're used to or different vegetables that you wouldn't typically pick up at the grocery store. 
So I feel like the meals are creative, they're inspiring, they're welcoming, and they're always impressive to people. People are always like, wow, you didn't have to go so out of your way for us. But it was actually really, really easy. They don't take any time at all. I think that they literally take less than 30 minutes every single time I make one. They even have some meal options available that are less than 15 minutes to create. But seriously, people are always impressed. It's always delicious. And I always feel really, really good creating them and serving them. I wanna acknowledge that I've talked about Green Chef in the past. Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh. Now there really is something for everyone. There's a wider array of meal plans to choose from than ever before. I love switching between the brands and now my listeners can also enjoy both brands at a discount with me. Go to hellofresh.com slash ecochic16 and use code ecochic16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash ecochic16 and use code ECOCHIC16 for 16 meals plus free shipping. I'll have it linked in the show notes. Now, since we have mentioned fire management, I think a very important little bonus lesson in Wildfires 101 is acknowledging that not all fires are bad. Prescribed fires are a very common, very proven fire management method. Sometimes these are called controlled fires, but I personally don't really like the term controlled fires. A lot of people in academia, people I learned a little bit about fire management from, do not like the term controlled fires because you can never truly guarantee that a fire will be controlled. So I will today be using the term prescribed fires or prescribed burning, but just as an FYI. Now there are two types of prescribed burning. There is broadcast burning, which is when you are lighting a given area of land on fire, a given tract of land. And there is also pile burning, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's burning stacks of vegetation individually. This one is sometimes grouped with slash and burn agriculture techniques when you hear about clearing an area for cattle or crops. But as it stands right now, it doesn't really matter all that much for the purposes of today, we don't have to get into them, just know that there are ways to prescribe burning. Now, I mentioned the different types of prescribed burning because it depends on the situation, it depends on the goals of that particular project. But in fire management in general, overarching, there are two goals of prescribed burning. One of the most important reasons for prescribing a burn for intentionally setting an area on fire is clearing a forest to prevent more destructive, uncontrolled burning in the future. So you're burning an area to get rid of dead leaves, of fallen trees or tree limbs, whatever other debris is on that forest floor. And then there is less of that debris to catch fire in the future. This is usually done before a fire season. So in the summertime is what we refer to as fire season. And this is a preventative measure, again, for decreasing the likelihood of an out-of-control, huge wildfire. I feel like I'm describing it in very simple terms, but if you're thinking about wildfires for the first time and prescribed burning for the first time, you can think of it in really simple terms. Quite literally, you want less stuff to be able to catch fire so that the fire is not as big. The second benefit of prescribed fires or prescribed burning is that fire is actually good for certain areas. It's good for the soil. The ash from that burned vegetation returns nutrients to the soil that would otherwise take a really long time to decompose. I'll use an example again of Colorado where I live. 
when there is a wildfire the following year, there's a really impressive spring bloom or crops tend to do really well. Sometimes you hear this in wine country in areas where a vineyard experiences some fire the following year has really incredible wine because the area is so much more nutrient dense than it typically is. It's something that wine collectors will sometimes talk about. I feel like I've heard this every once in a while on a reality TV show when a woman is showing off a really expensive bottle of wine sometimes that a bottle or a year of a particular winery is really coveted because there was a wildfire the year before. Plus another benefit of fires is that less trees in a tree canopy in a forested area means that more sunlight is entering that forest and that can obviously help with growth beneath that forest canopy. I think that's where I will close class today. I hope you learned a little something about wildfires, especially if this is your first time kind of interacting with the topic. I have quite a few other episodes on wildfires and drought that I can link in the show notes if you want to go a little bit deeper and learn more about what's happening in the West. But again, if this was your first time tuning into a conversation around wildfires, I hope this was valuable to you so that you can keep up with the news, know what we're talking about when we talk about wildfire season, when we talk about smoke and ash and all of these things that we're seeing in unprecedented areas or in unusual areas, I should say. So I hope this was helpful. Again, send it to a friend if you think they'll find it helpful. I really do appreciate all the feedback. Ratings and reviews, if you've stuck around this long, I really appreciate a rating and review. I heard recently on another podcast that because podcast content is free, you should think of a rating and review as a little tip, a little bit of feedback. It helps me out a lot. So just, you know, do with that as you will. Of course, I want good tips, good ratings and reviews, but I hope you have a really fabulous rest of your day. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.